If you're visiting today for the first time, I want to say welcome. We're glad that you came. And we're in a series. We're in part four of a series I've entitled, Don't Worry. Don't Worry. And right there, be happy. That's the word for some of you. And I want to pick up from Matthew chapter 5 and verse 6. The Bible says this, from the Phillips version. Happy are those who are hungry and thirsty for true goodness. For they will be fully satisfied. You may want to circle hungry and thirsty. Now in New Zealand, most of us don't understand what it's like to be really hungry. Last year, in fact, yeah, it was last year, we did a live on a couple of bucks a day per person. We did that in our household, and it was awesome. We got very innovative, because to try and cook for three or four of you, you know, two bucks a piece, it's a bit of a challenge. Uh, for the whole day, that is. Not just breakfast or lunch or dinner, that's for the whole day. But we did that. And we're going to do it again this year. We're going to do it probably a couple of times in our household, because it reminds me... When I was sitting there the other day having coffee with some of my friends, I suddenly thought, that's nearly a week's worth of food <laughs> with a few coffees at four bucks fifty each. But most New Zealanders don't understand what it is to feel physically hungry. Would you agree with that? I mean, our definition of hungry is, I'm famished. Where's the closest Maccas? You know, I mean, that's about as close as we get or get me to a cafe or Starbucks or something like that. But Mother Teresa in India, she saw starvation... In, in, in reality, she saw the physical toll it took. But in New Zealand, we don't see that. In fact, we actually see the opposite. We see a, a nation that's growing obese, like my Americans. I can say that because I'm an American, and I am a Kiwi, and I am a Pom, so I'm very mixed up, mate. Okay? I have three citizenships. But my American cousins are growing bigger, but unfortunately, I'm seeing that in New Zealand as well. But in New Zealand, we have a different type of hunger. We have an emotional hunger. An emotional hunger. We have a spiritual hunger and a deep thirst inside of us. Now we don't use that term, but you may hear it come out in conversation when people indicate, my life is really quite empty. I'm bored. I'm restless. Something seems to be missing in my life, and I can sense it, but I can't just put my finger on what it is. There must be more to life than this. And even when some things are going well in your life, you can sense that something is missing. In my generation, Mick Jagger and the Rolling Stones had a theme song. I can't get no... Satisfaction. I tried this, shot this up, shacked up with her, did this, did that. No satisfaction. I tried it all. No satisfaction. Doesn't work. Doesn't satisfy that longing. I've got all the money I could want. I can't get no satisfaction. And that was the heart cry he verbalized what a lot of people were feeling. Now, they may be not doing the same things as him, but on a smaller scale, they have the same emotional hunger. Why is that? Think about it. He's got all the gold, he's got all the girls, he's got whatever he wants. I can't get no satisfaction. 
The Bible says the reason why you can't, Mr. Jagger, is you are looking in the wrong place. If I lost my cell phone in place A, and I spend all my time looking in B, it doesn't matter how hard I look, I ain't gonna find it. Huh? I'm looking in the wrong place. So the Bible says a few things about this. The Bible says that I will not find lasting satisfaction in pleasure. I can order up a trip to Rarotonga tomorrow. And I will go and I might have a reasonable time for a while, but I'll come back and it won't last. It'll seem like a mist, like a dream that never happened. If I could just retire in luxury, if I could just travel the world, then I'd be happy. Now look at what the Bible says here. No matter how much we see, we are never satisfied. No matter how much we hear, we are never content. Now, in the advertising industry, I was sitting with the ex-chairman of KPMG yesterday, and he used to be an advertising executive. And let me tell you, the advertising industry get after this happiness. Coca-Cola is a classic example. You know, open happiness. <laughs> you know, just take our product, pop the top, and you got happiness. Yeah, if that was the case, why do we need another bottle, another one, another one? It doesn't last. That's a low end. Let's go pop it up an end, and let's look at the next level of blatant pursuit of joy. Try this. Joy. That's who we answer to. Joy is youthful. Joy inspires works of art. It is collectible and shapes the future. Joy has a fan club. It's contagious and it can even be counted. Joy is efficient, dynamic and unstoppable. We realized a long time ago that what you make people feel is just as important as what you make. And at BMW, we don't just make cars. We make joy. Most ads appeal to the emotions and our hunger for happiness. That's pretty blatant. You know, you can count joy. You know, did you hear all that? We make joy. Come to us. We'll make you happy. That's the message. The trouble is too many people drink that Kool-Aid. And they think, they buy into the world's culture. They're pressed into the mind and they're sucked in by that. Yeah, it'll make you happy for a while until you have to pay for it. Until you eat the first bite of depreciation in the first year, which would make you, your eyes, would make my eyes water. <laughs> you know, there's a well-known coffee that says, the taste that satisfies. Well, yeah, if that's the case, how come I need to keep on going back? Anyway, have you ever had the urge in the middle of the night, you get up and you're, you're, you're a bit hungry and you race to the refrigerator, a refrigerator raid, you know? But you don't know what you want, and you nibble on a bit of this, and you nibble on a bit of that, and nothing really satisfies, and you go back to bed. Still hungry, still unsatisfied. 
Now, many people are that way in life. To the point they will try anything for pleasure. They will even break the rules. They'll try drugs. Well, if you're even entertaining that thought, come and speak to me. I've lived with somebody, not my wife, of course, my brother, who battled that horror to hell for 14 years. And if you get a son or a daughter in that, you need to speak to my mother. She's lived through parenting a teenager on drugs. Some people break the rules by going down the other route. They're drinking excessively. Now let me be clear on that. The Bible says there's no problem with drink. There's a huge problem getting drunk. That is always wrong. You're out of control if you're drunk. And some people go way off the deep end as well. And they try one night stands to get a bit of pleasure in their life. But of course, if you think about it, what happens before, the devil makes all those temptations look very appealing up front, say, and he, and he magnifies the benefit and then afterwards, uh, and minimizes the consequences, and afterwards, he maximizes the condemnation. He, he plays both sides of the field, he does. The Bible says in Hebrews 11.25, and boy, the Bible tells us the truth. This is the truth. The pleasures of sin last for a short time. That is the truth. You won't find lasting satisfaction in pleasure. Second, you won't also find lasting pleasure. It's not found in performance. And workaholics eventually learn this. Now, get me, don't get me wrong here. Christians should be exemplary in their diligence at working hard. But if you take any strength, and you overextend that strength, it becomes your weakness. Working hard's good. You take it to the nth degree, you'll alienate your family and your children. And by the way, you'll do damage to your soul, and you'll end up not enjoying life. How many executives have I sat around the table with? I was with some not long ago, and as I looked around the table, all eight of them, not one of them, had their first wives. Why? Because they're in the office on Saturday. When they're at home, they're thinking about work. And when they're at work, they were wishing they were at home. Be present where you are and draw boundaries around your work. The Bible says, what does a man get for all his hard work? Days full of sorrow and grief and restless nights. Anybody want to give a testimony to that right now? Or you work, again, in Ecclesiastes 2.21, you work for something with all of your skill, and then you have to leave it to somebody who hasn't had to work for it. There's something a bit cockeyed about that, isn't it? I want to get after here, there's a myth. And that is that success guarantees satisfaction. That's not true. It doesn't last. After the excitement of winning... And many of you in this room have won in your areas of endeavor. But after the, the, the afterglow of that burns off, which is often the very next month, or the very next year when your target's through the roof, or your, your next challenge, after that wears off, there's often a feeling of emptiness. And some of the most successful people that I know are some of the most unsatisfied. That's what drives them. 
deep down. The Bible says, man is always working and never really satisfied. So, scriptures are clear. You will not find lasting satisfaction in pleasure. You will not find lasting satisfaction in performance. And thirdly, it is not, not, not found in possessions. Today there are twice as many products available as there were 25 years ago. Do you know that? Twice as many. And many of them say satisfaction guaranteed. But are people twice as happy? <laughs> Clearly not. I know of a lady that said this, and then I thought what she said was very insightful. She said, even when I get what I want, it's not what I want. I get that. Look at this next verse. In fact, would you read it with me from Ecclesiastes 5.10? He who loves money will never have enough. The foolishness of thinking wealth brings it's foolish to think that wealth brings happiness. The poor may think, well, if I were rich, all my problems would be over. And those of people that I know that are wealthy will tell you a very different story. When you get wealthy, your life becomes complicated, believe it or not. That's another story. But it's not, it's not true. The Bible says, the foolishness of thinking wealth brings happiness. The wealthy no different. So then, what is the satisfaction, or, or the secret of lasting satisfaction? Would you read with me this next verse? Psalm 37 and verse 4. It says, Seek your happiness, and he will give you the, your heart's desire. Notice he doesn't say there, pursue happiness. He says, pursue me. Pursue me. Seek God. The problem is, he is often the last place we look for lasting satisfaction. We look to everything else and then finally say, Oh man, I've tried everything else. Well, there's only God left to try it. Let's give him a go. That's the approach we take. Maybe I'll find happiness there. To be happy, you need to refocus on the right thing, not Coca-Cola. Not a BMW. You need to focus on the right thing, and that's God. Happiness is a byproduct, not a goal. Happy, let me say that again. Happiness is a byproduct, not a goal. In fact, some of the New Age philosophy has got some really weird ideas. And one of them, which irritates me, because I've seen it come through the schools. It's an absurd idea. Well, you just find happiness within yourself. You know, you just look within. Well, I know that if I'm hungry, if I just try and look within myself, nothing's going. To, I've got to take some action. It's not within myself. It's actually outside of me, and I bring it in. When I'm hungry, your body can't satisfy. You need food from the external source to satisfy that need. Now. Back at the outline. So how do you experience satisfaction in life? Really important. Number one, I recognize my real hunger for what it is. 
What's missing in my life? Now, a lot of people really don't know what they want in life. They don't. Like, what do you want to do for a job? Don't know. What do I want to do with my wife? Don't know. Don't know, don't know, don't know. What, what do you think? You know? Here's some facts. This helps frame, frame the situation. Number one, the fact is the Bible says you and I are spiritual beings. And the fact is that God made us to know Him and to be loved by Him. And nothing will take the place of that. No substitutes will satisfy. None. Not promotions, not power, not possessions, not prestige. Nothing will take the place of that. You need to fill that hunger in your life. You need God. The fact is your deepest need is actually to know God. There's a God-shaped hole or vacuum. And if you try to jam something else in that hole, it's like the square peg in the round hole. It will not fit. You may think it will, but hmm, that won't work. Well, the next one, hmm, that won't work. And some of you are frustrated because you're trying and trying to get the right fit. So the sooner you recognize you have a God-shaped vacuum in your life, the better. Now, how does God make us aware of this God-shaped hole in our lives? How does he do that? To make us aware of our hunger for him. Well, the Bible says here in Deuteronomy chapter 8 and verse 3, God humbled you by letting you go hungry and then feeding you with manna. Why did he do this? He did this to help you realize that real life comes by obeying every command of God. You see, back there in Israel, when Charlton Heston led the Israelites through the Red Sea into the desert, where they wandered for 40 years, there was no Burger King for a quick snack. Didn't exist. Be a long ride on the Camelot to get there. And it was way back in Egypt. Now, notice God allowed the Israelites to go hungry in a desert so that they would recognize their need for Him and depend upon Him. Now, today, God allows problems in your life and my life to get your attention. To see that you really need Him. Happy are the hungry. If you feel like that, God is getting ready to do something in your life. Look, He's saying, what you want, it's not pleasure, it's not performance, it's not possessions, it's me! It's me you need! And I made you with this God-shaped vacuum, and I want to meet that need. Happy are the hungry for God, because God wants to do something in your life. Notice it says there, He humbled you. In California, especially in like places like, um, well, in fact, in many of our states, we have homeless people on the other side of the road, and they're panhandling. 
know, they are often, some of them are quite genuine, and they're hungry. You offer them food, they ain't fussy. They'll take it, because they're hungry. Really hungry people take any food, they are not picky. It's like the prodigal son, remember? He had it all laid on, went out there, tried this, tried that, fast woman, wine. Read it, That's it. the Bible's very honest, it doesn't cover it up. It says he tried the lot. But his world collapsed, he ended up working as a Jew in a pig farm. That's kind of like, not very kosher, right? And it was so bad that he thought, gee, do you know what we feed pigs? He was eating their food because if he didn't, he'd starve. The prodigal son, and I love what the Bible says, when he came to his senses. See, hunger is painful, but it motivates. Parents, Look up here. If your children are hungry in this sense and they're trying this, that, and the other, thinking they're going to get satisfied, do not rescue them. They have to feel the weight of the consequences of their own actions. The Bible says sometimes it takes a painful experience to make us change our ways. And if you keep rescuing them, notice the father didn't run off there and quickly zip out his visa card and say, here, let me help you out. He let him, the circumstance, life has a way of sorting us out and God has a way. He, the Bible says he came to his senses. And if you keep feeding their habit, you are a partner in their destruction. Hunger is painful, but it motivates. Have you experienced real satisfaction in your life? How do you experience that real satisfaction? Number one, you recognize that my real hunger, what it's for, not for those other things. He recognized it wasn't for all that other stuff. Number two, and this is a big one for us today. We stop eating spiritual junk food. Quit looking for satisfaction in things that don't have spiritually nutritional value. You might, this is a great verse, Isaiah 55 verse 2. It says, why spend your money on what is not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy? What is he saying? He's saying, quit wasting your time and money on things that don't satisfy. What you're really looking for, he knows. The underlying implication is clear. What you're really looking for is God. Today there are more and more things to fill up our time. As kids, we just got the boot out the door and the door was locked, play outside. <laughs> that was basically the story. Stay outside, go outside. Today there are more and more things to spend your time on and spend your money on. And people can move from fad to pleasure to thrill, but nothing ultimately satisfies. It doesn't last. It's a temporary high. That's, what the, that's a delusion of the drug user. Oh, the next one. Oh, but of course what happens is it progressively satisfies less and less. So they're going to go harder and harder drugs until they end up dead or in a rehab if they're lucky. And there's not many good ones of those around. There are some but not many. 
So it's interesting, though, to me that appetites are influenced by association. How many of you got kids or had kids? Okay, so you'll all be familiar with this one. You know, you're busy in the kitchen, and one kid comes in and says, Mom, I'm hungry! And all the gaggle of kids comes in and says, Me too! Me too! You know, your appetite is affected by your associations. All of a sudden, one kid starved, and the next minute, they're all famished and starving to death. They all tell you, or try to. And whoever you hang out with is what you'll be hungry for. If you hang out with people who like the world's junk food, don't be surprised if some of that junk food ends up at your place. That's what you're going to be into. Stuff that doesn't ultimately satisfy. And folks, we haven't got long to learn this game. If you want to have an appetite on the other hand for godly things, get around people who have a godly appetite because spiritual hunger is contagious. Get around people with a spiritual hunger for the Lord and people who want to grow. Join a group that is dynamic and wants to grow. Be very careful of mediocrity, lukewarmness. Step three, start looking, instead of those other things, to Christ for ultimate satisfaction. Start looking to Christ for satisfaction. Would you read this with me from John chapter 8? Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to... Okay, let's try that again. From the beginning... Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. Who believes in me will never be thirsty. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. Now Jesus is speaking to these people who understood that bread was a necessity for life. In fact, my mother used to threaten me, you'll have bread and water. <laughs> Did you anybody else hear that? Bread, yeah. So she knew that would sustain me, probably. And often when there's a hunger, the sacks of flour and grain that go in first. What Jesus is saying here is that what I'm what you really need to live. It's me. I'm it. You can't do without me. All this other stuff will give you indigestion. Look at this one. It says, Jesus said, whoever drinks water will get thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water that I give will never be thirsty again, and it will, it will become in him a spring of living water. Oh, that's what we want. Water is even more essential than bread for life. 70% of your body is water. And you need it to survive. It's as if Jesus is saying this. You need me to survive. Your travellers passing through. I remember when Kimberly and I first got married, we went to across America. We camped all the way down through the southern states and popped out in New York. And one of the places we went to was the hottest place I've ever been to in my life. It's called Death Valley. And for good reason. It's hot. Like 53 degrees or something crazy. So we race into the store. I never forget. I was busting because we had a very tight budget in those days. I mean, I had it worked down to per day. It was about, I don't know, $7.50 after you paid for everything. There wasn't much left over. 
I was looking for a water fountain. But do you think they had a water fountain in this place? Oh, no. You had to pay for bottled water at $3 a blinking litre. But when a man's thirsty, do you think I paid $3? You bet you don't. I paid $3 a litre. It was very, it was a stop and rob place. You know, you stop and no choice, so they rob you. When you're thirsty, it doesn't matter what it costs. You're going you're gonna to pay it. You'll do anything. This is the kind of intensity he's getting at here. Jesus is getting at it's what it means to hunger and thirst for God. You see, there are three stages that you and I go through in, in, in our lives. Number one is when you say, I want God in my life. Oh, yeah. I want God in my life. The second one is, I really recognize my, I need God in my life. And the third one is, I've got to have him. I can't make it without him. There's a different level of awareness. I can't make it without him. He made me, and there's an emptiness in my life without him. I have to know to the answers, to the basic questions of my life. Where did I come from? Who am I? What am I supposed to do whilst I'm here? Why am I here? And by the way, where am I going? Those are the basic questions of life. You will not find the answers to those questions in a movie. Or in a magazine. Or in the latest books. Or on talk radio. Or by getting drunk. Or by having a one night stand. You will not find those answers there. Those basic inner questions of life. This is a hunger to know God and will only be found in Him. That's what it means. I've got to have him in my life. I want to know him. I want to know why in the world I'm here and what I should do whilst I am here. That is a hunger from God and where I'm going when it's over. So on these last, uh, those last few verses I just talked about, just mark down those words, circle of come, believe and drink. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. Whoever believes in me, circle that one, will never be thirsty. Whoever drinks the water that I give will never be thirsty again. Now here's the point. Appetites are not satisfied until you take some action. Until you do something. If your stomach's growling sitting there next to you, apart from your neighbor looking at you, rather than embarrassed, you're going to stay hungry until you do something about that. Until you take action. And Jesus is saying here, you need to take action. Just like physical hunger, when you're hungry, you go get some food. When you're thirsty, you go get some water. But when you're spiritually hungry, you need to do two, three things. You need to come, you need to believe, and you need to drink. First, you come to me, you come to Christ. Second, you believe in Christ. And thirdly, you drink of Christ, which means I receive him into my life. Now, some of you here today have never taken these steps. Or you've known about him. But there's a difference uh, between knowing about him and actually knowing him personally. It's more than just head knowledge. 
Let me ask you another way. Have you realized that something is missing deep in your life? Even though outwardly you may have straight A's, or you may be doing okay in your job right now, and you may even appear successful in the world eyes, there's a deep undercurrent in the deepest level of your soul that you know is there. And it's dragging on you. And you know there's going to be more to this life than to get up, go to work, come home, watch TV, get a bit, get up, go to work, come home. There's got to be more than that. And there is. And maybe you'd say, in spite of the fact that life seems good compared to the rest of the world, which it is, there is still this gnawing dissatisfaction that even when I'm doing okay, I am dissatisfied on the inside. And there is not, I have not come to that place of real peace and contentment in there. And if you are at that spot, I want to say one word to you. Congratulations. Because God is creating a hunger in your heart, in your soul, in your life to know him deeper. Because fact is, you were born with a physical appetite to keep your life. In fact, that's a good thing. Because if you didn't eat, you're dead. Ah, some will take longer than others, but at least 40 odd days, many of us could go without any food. Fact number two. Not, you're not only born with a physical hunger, you're born with a spiritual hunger to know God. Latest number three on top of this. Only Jesus can ultimately satisfy that inner hunger. No other plug-in will work. That's why some of you have been frustrated to satisfy that inner hunger. Money will not plug that gap. Sex will not plug that gap. Your picture on the front page of the New Zealand Herald will not plug that gap. A nice house. Kids that are smart will not plug that gap. None of those produce ultimate satisfaction in life because you have a spiritual need to be known and to know your creator. I want to give you one sentence to think about. An ultimate commitment to anything less than the ultimate will never ultimately satisfy. Let me say it again. An ultimate commitment to anything less than the ultimate will never ultimately satisfy. And that is what Jesus is saying. He is the ultimate. There's a God-shaped vacuum in you. And only God will fit that plug-in. And the sooner you understand it and act on it, the better it will be. And it will save you heartache, wasting your life, and incalculable amounts of money and frustration. If you recognize that. So what do I do? You take these three steps today. You come, you believe, and you drink. Now notice the promise. Matthew 5, 6. Happy are those who are hungry and thirsty for true goodness, for they will be fully satisfied. You know what that means? God is saying, I stand behind this. Satisfaction guaranteed. Signed, the boss. And that's the only one that you can trust. Knowing him and by being known. Loving him and being loved by him. 
developing a relationship with him and finding out your purpose that you were put on earth for as you seek him, you find that happiness. He will not ever let you down. That's for those who haven't done that. Now, some of you in this room have already taken that initial step. And for you, you've come to Christ. And you've believed in Christ. And you've drunk of Christ. And you're a Christian. My question to you today is how strong is your spiritual appetite? How strong is it? Do you hunger for the things of God? Do you have a gnawing in the right sense of the word, a real drawing towards the Lord like that? Do you really want to know Him and to be about His business? Or is God just a convenience to you? Like a little horse hors d'oeuvre, a little appetizer. Every Sunday. You know, that's all I want. Five cents worth. Just five. Or do you hunger and say, I want all of God in my life. I want everything he's got for me. I want to fulfill all his plans for me. The fact is you are as close to God as you want to be. Please do not blame your husband or your wife or your children or your boss or anybody else. You are as close to God as you want to be. Because God works in your life according to your desire. And that's what I believe His Spirit is getting after today. What is your desire? I don't know where you are, but I do know this. God wants to meet your need like that. Blessed are those who are hungry and thirsty to know. They shall be fully satisfied. To me, I am amazed at how many Christians have a kind of, oh, take it or leave it attitude. With the greatest amount of love and respect I can give, I want to say this to you. Be very, very careful with that attitude. Because it's not hot and it's not cold. It's lukewarm. You know, and it comes out like this. Well, I'm not going to go to church today because it's raining. Let's take the other extreme. Well, today was a beautiful day. I think I'll go to the beach. And they attend when it's convenient. See, if it's inconvenient, I was really blessed this week. We had a, a woman's uh, meeting upstairs on Easter. And one particular individual had people staying with them. But she had a commitment to provide something for those women. This person has children as well as visitors as well. What impressed me and blessed my heart is that she showed up and she delivered. With no big show or pomp and circumstance, she was committed to the cause. That's a mark of a disciple. A busy mum with visitors in her home, honouring the commitment that she gave weeks and weeks ago which you could have easily just done and left. Oh, it's inconvenient. Sorry, I've got pets. I've been sick this week. And by the way, I've got visitors, which I only see once every seven years. It wasn't a matter of convenience. It was a matter of character and commitment that came through. And that is what God's after. Many Christians just do what's convenient to them. It's like a little appetizer. Oh, try a little of this. Dabble a little bit of this. 
Now, some of you today would say, Pastor Ian, I used to have a hunger for God. And I remember when I first became a Christian, I couldn't wait to get to church. And I couldn't wait to be with other Christians. And I would be devouring the Bible. I read it and I loved it. And you couldn't keep me away from church. I wanted to be there all the time. But something's changed. And I don't have that anymore. Kimberly and I have had four kids. When one of them says to us, Daddy, I'm not very hungry this morning. What would that tell you as a parent? The sick. A loss of appetite often indicates an illness. They're sick. Ten points. But a sign that they're getting better is what? Their appetite returns. Some of you say, I'm a Christian, but if I'm really honest, I just don't have an appetite for God like you're talking about. I don't have that same deep desire to know God. Listen, friends, your appetite's either going that way or that way. And if you're coasting, it just means one thing, you're going downhill. I don't have an appetite to know the Bible, to know Him, and to love Him through worship. Look, folks, if you don't like worship, you ain't going to like heaven. Let me be real blunt. You will not like heaven if you don't like worship. And when you're here, enter in with all of your heart, give Him your full love. If I went to my wife, I'd like, oh, I love you, honey. That's worth about next to nothing. I might as well not have said it. I mean, do you know that you can even kiss your wife and it doesn't mean anything? If there's no emotion and feeling behind it? Do you know that? Some of you young ones probably don't know that, but it's true. And they know it. And you know it. You're going through the motions. Okay, so I don't have this hunger anymore. Can I suggest to you something? Why? One of the most obvious reasons to me, based on observation, is you are stuffing yourself with junk food. With next to nil spiritual value, but you're full. Your time is full. And you're born into the culture. You're doing the same thing that everybody else is doing. And you're stuffing yourself with the attitudes, the magazines, the events, the movies, and stuff that does not last. And so to solve this, I have a suggestion, at least a starting suggestion. Some of you may need to try, and if, you, if you've got a better idea, happy day, but this is just a suggestion, that maybe you do a bit of a media fast to get your spiritual hunger back. For example, when was the last time you got into your car and you turned off the radio to talk to God? As you're driving down the freeway, because God knows we've got plenty of time to talk to him on those freeways. Yeah? We don't go very fast. Maybe you do that. Well, when was the last time you walked into your house and you didn't have the radio blaring? And you didn't go in and automatically turn on the TV? Because if you're filling yourself with all the world has to offer, the magazines, the books, the movies, the videos, the music videos, 
It's no wonder that you have no appetite left for the things in life that really count. Because you know what? Remember, the kids, when they fill themselves up with lollies and stuff, oh, I don't want tea, Mum. What have you been eating? You probably ask those same questions, or you've had those questions asked to you. No, you're not having that because you won't eat your dinner. So leave that. And look, the Bible says this, these things dominate. These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your Heavenly Father already knows what you really need, and it's not that stuff. So leave the TV for a while, the magazines, the videos, the junk food that doesn't ultimately satisfy, and spend some more time with the one who ultimately loves you more than anybody else on this planet. Happy are those who are hungry. For people who say, I want all of God that there is. I want to know Him in His fullness. I'm not satisfied with having a little blessing here or there. I want Him as the center of my life. That is the person who will be truly and fully satisfied. Seek first the kingdom of God. Not second or fifth or after all the soccer practices. Seek first. The kingdom of God, and then all these things shall be added unto you. Matthew 6 33. Let's pray. Happy are the hungry, the Bible says, because it means God is getting ready to do something in your life. This morning, if you realize that there is something missing, an uneasiness, a kind of sense of restlessness. Folks, Kiwis have a high boredom factor. And we show that by moving from thing to thing and trying to fill that vacuum with extreme things sometimes. Bungee jumping and this and that. But folks, that void that you feel, that undercurrent, that hole in your heart can only be filled with God. Would you just pray this in your heart? Would you say, Jesus Christ, I don't understand it all. I want to come to you and I want to believe in you and I want to drink of you and Father for some of us we want to say I want to come back to you I've tried so many other things and those pleasures and those things that only last for such a short time but they're not satisfying I want to believe in you and believe your purpose for my life and believe that you love me and that you died for me on that cross. I want to know and understand that better. And God, I want to drink of you. I want to know you in the fullness that you desired for me. Whether this is your first time to open your life to Christ or you've been a Christian for 30 years, would you take these steps with me? Would you say, God, help me to recognize my real hunger? And if you're dissatisfied with life, congratulations. Because if you've got problems, it just means that God is creating a hunger. So he can teach you about what real life is all about. Would you say, God, would you help me to stop eating spiritual junk food? Help me not to automatically accept what the culture says. Father, would you help me to start looking to Christ for satisfaction? 
Jesus, I realize that only you can meet that inner gnawing in my heart. It's not going to be filled, that void, with money. Sex won't fill it. Fame won't fill it. A nice house won't fill it. Beautiful kids won't fill it. A promotion won't fill it. Or any of those things. I recognize today, Father, that that spiritual hunger can only be met by you. I want all that you have to offer me. And God, I realize that they haven't had a hunger for you. Some of you can say that. But they should have had because of my intake of junk food. I've been already kind of filled. But now I want you to reawaken the appetite in my life. That I may not miss out on what you have for me in this life. That I may realize the ultimate satisfaction is found in you and not in all these other things. Help me play a meaningful part in all that you want me to do in your family. In Jesus' name, I ask this. And all the people said, Friends, as a parent, you want your kids to grow up healthy, strong, and be reproducing members of a healthy community. My heart for you today is that you'll grow and you'll find all that God wants for you in your life and you'll take that place with great dedication and character. To be men and women of character, not of convenience, which would stand as such salt and light compared to the fickleness of this world. God bless you, friends.